0: Passion for God and compassion for our neighbor, reaching our region and beyond with the life changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church, and now, here's Pastor Jordan Gowing. Today is um, it's a hard day. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my dad unexpectedly died um, a month ago um, yesterday, and so. Um, it's a hard day, uh, but it's a, it's a beautiful day um, to get to celebrate the resurrection and uh, to, to look forward, not just looking back to Christ's resurrection, but to look forward uh, to our resurrection as well. This is a day of incredible news, um, even in the midst of, of something that can be hard. Um, and as I, was, as I was preparing this past week, um, really just wrestling what, what exactly do, um, do I have us look at this morning? Um, found a lot of, of solace and comfort in the words of the psalmist. In Psalm 42, uh, Psalm 43, the, the psalmist is facing despair and, and um, he, he just spurs himself on uh, to hope in the God of his salvation. He, he says this multiple times, hope in God for I shall again see, praise him my salvation. And the psalmist says that three times. He says it twice in Psalm 42, and he says it once in in Psalm 43. And I I actually find a lot of comfort in, in the repetition there as well, that he doesn't just say it once. He has to keep repeating it to himself, keep reminding himself of this hope that he has in God. Hope in God. Hope in God. Hope in God. And when your soul is struggling, when you... I think there's this disconnect between the the unfathomably good news of Easter and the very real pain that you are experiencing in your life, the words of the psalmist are just worth repeating to remind yourself to hope in God, hope in God, hope in God. Last month has been hard, and what I want to share with you this morning is just uh, this text that I found a lot of, of comfort in. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. That's where we're going to be this morning. Um, as you're turning there, I just want to uh, share um, probably my favorite quote from all of literature outside of the Bible. Um, I love the J.R.R. Tolkien series, The Lord of the Rings. And uh, every single Easter, as, as we get ready to celebrate the goodness of, of Christ's resurrection, um, I'm just reminded of this this statement um, at the end of the third book. It's my favorite line in the entire series. Uh, it, it comes at the end of, of basically evil's defeat. The great evil of that world has been defeated, and Samwise Gamgee, he's this lowly, humble hobbit. He, he is um, awoken, and he finds his dear friend Gandalf sitting there beside him, waiting for him to awake. And Samwise has actually spent most of the entire series, most of the entire trilogy, thinking that Gandalf is dead. And so he, he wakes up in, in this surprise and delight and seeing Gandalf there, and he says uh, these words He says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? And that phrase right there, I think of every Easter. Is everything sad going to come untrue? Because as we gather together on Easter and we remember what Jesus has done for us, as we consider the empty tomb, that's really what the words that sum up the empty tomb. Everything sad is going to come untrue. It's the guarantee of one day hope that we have now will be fully realized. The empty tomb is like the first rays of the light of hope this unconquerable hope that we can have because of what Jesus has done for us. And maybe you need to hear that message this morning, like me. We find this message of hope in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I I pray that as we look at this passage, it's It's a source of hope for you. It's a source of comfort for you as well that when you are finding yourselves living in what can only be described as this disconnect between what God has said that he will do for us and what we are experiencing in our lives, I I just pray that these words from Hebrews 12 will strengthen your weary soul. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says this, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's the message of hope from this verse this morning, our message of hope to latch onto. It's this. When life feels hopeless, look to Jesus. When your life feels hopeless, look To Jesus. And don't miss the operative word there. The word feels. Because the reality is, for a Christian, life is never hopeless. It may feel that way sometimes. Our emotional state of mind may say, you know what, life is hopeless right now, but that's not the truth for those who are in Christ Jesus. It may feel hopeless, but there is an unshakable, unconquerable hope for those who are found in Christ Jesus. Romans eight thirty eight through thirty nine says this for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is the hope that we have that we celebrate at Easter. That nothing No spiritual power, no circumstance, no emotional state of mind, not even death itself will be able to separate us from the love of God, the promises of God that are found in Christ Jesus. As we look at Hebrews 12 this morning, we're going to see that this verse and and the surrounding context really give us three ways why looking to Jesus can give us an unfathomable hope. This Easter. So let's go ahead and look at each of those. Before we do, let's go ahead and pause and pray for God's presence to speak to us this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, it is so good to be able to gather with your people to, to celebrate the good news of Easter. And we ask now that you would speak to us, that you would help us in our time of need. To look to you, to find hope in you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, the first thing is this. When life feels hopeless, we look to Jesus because he is the faithful one because he is the faithful one. This is the message of the Bible from the very beginning to the very end. Jesus is faithful. Jesus alone is faithful. Jesus alone has overcome. Jesus alone is obedient to the Father. Jesus alone is victorious. And when we gather together on Easter to celebrate the empty tomb, we we gather together to celebrate the only one who is worthy, in fact, the Bible tells us what the hosts of heaven are saying right now surrounding the throne of God. They're crying out that Jesus is worthy. It says this in Revelation chapter 5, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people from God or for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on thee what is it that makes Jesus the faithful one, the worthy one? Consider the story of the Bible. If you start in the beginning with creation, we see God creates everything, and he creates it good. He speaks it into existence. It's all flawless. It's good. It's without sin. It's without pain. It's without death. God loves all of his creation, and yet he has a special relationship with humanity, because he creates them in a way that is different than the rest of his creation. He creates them in his image. And we see that there's this relationship between Adam and God in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 that's unique because the Bible even goes as far as saying that Adam is the Son of God. Now, it's not saying that Adam is divine, he's still a creature. This term son of God means that there's this special relationship between God and Adam. Much in the same way that we today can refer to someone who believes in the gospel as a child of God. And God has a special relationship with humanity, has a special plan for them. They are going to rule over his creation alongside of him. He's going to live with them forever. And they'll have everything they could ever want And as more people are born, the same is going to be true for them. There's only one requirement. If you look around you, everywhere you look in the garden, the love of God for humanity is fully on display. But what about Adam and Eve's love for God? As a way to show their love for God, they were to refrain from eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In a sense... What God asks of Adam and Eve is what we today call faith, this trust in God. By not eating of the fruit, they are saying that they trust God, they trust his commandments, they trust his plan, they show that even if they may not understand what God is doing, that he's worth trusting. That even though they're God's children, they're not God. And by not eating, they show that they believe God and that they trust God. Of course, if you're familiar with the story of the Bible, you know that they don't trust God. They don't have faith in him. They, rather than listening to God, rather than obeying God, Adam and Eve instead choose to listen to the words of a creature. Rather than obedience and faithfulness to God, Adam, the son of God, rejects God and goes his own way. And he leads all of creation in rebellion against God. At that moment, creation breaks And if we look around us, creation is still broken to this very day. And yet immediately after God's creation is broken, God promises that there is a way he is going to fix it. One day, God says, one of your sons, Adam and Eve, will make everything that is broken right again. One day, one of your sons will fix everything that has gone wrong. One day, one of your sons will be faithful where you were not. And throughout the thousands of years that follow, the the many books of the Bible that follow, we encounter more and more and more people who have this special relationship with God. They're not all that different from Adam. They have a special relationship with God. And yet with each passing person, Noah, Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, his brothers, Moses, David, Solomon, all the kings, all the priests, all the prophets, as all of them pass, we realize that none of them are the Son, the one who will be fully obedient, fully faithful to God. And by the end of the Old Testament, we get to this point where we're just continuing to wait. When will God send His promised Son? How long must we wait for the one who is going to fix everything? How long must we wait for the one who will prevail where everyone else has failed. How long, O oh Lord, until we are given the Son? The story of Jesus in the New Testament opens with this stunning declaration, and a voice came from heaven You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. And over the course of Jesus' life, he proves that where everyone else fails, he will not. Where everyone else is unfaithful, he remains faithful, faithful. When everyone else has stumbled and fallen, Jesus alone crosses the finish line of faith, fully trusting in God's promises. But that's not enough that Jesus is just faithful in life to receive this well-earned inheritance for himself. He is going to share that inheritance with those who do not deserve it. So he is not just faithful in life, he's also faithful in death. The book of Philippians puts it this way, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." There was never a moment in Jesus' life where he did not choose to do his Father's will. Even though that led him to the cross. There was never a moment in Jesus' life when he did not perfectly serve others, perfectly love others, perfectly care for others. Jesus' entire life was an act of self-denial and it culminates on the cross. That's why in Hebrews twelve two we see that Jesus is declared as the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Let's read that again. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews is saying that Jesus is the beginning of faith and the end of faith. He is the founder, the author, because he alone is faithful and he is the perfecter. He is the finisher because he alone has crossed the finish line of faith. In the Garden of Eden, humanity rejects God by saying, not your will, but mine. And yet Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane changes the course of human history by saying, not my will, but thine. Jesus alone is the faithful one. And this is where we find hope when life is hard. We have this faithful one who gladly shares his inheritance, the spoils of his victory, of his faithfulness, of his perfection. He shares it with unworthy people, unfaithful people. Notice how verse 2 ends. It ends with with Jesus' current place In the heavenly places right now, he is exalted to the right hand of God. Earlier in Hebrews, we're told the significance of this good news. It says this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When we despair, the resurrection makes all the difference. Because at Easter, we do not commemorate the memory of this great benevolent king who died a long time ago. But we celebrate a risen, reigning, victorious, living King who is exalted into the heavenly places. Why are we able to approach the throne of grace? It's because Jesus lives. And what's more than that, He serves as our high priest. And when we find ourselves in the middle of failure, in the middle of our battle with sin, in the middle of our battle with doubt and despair, we can look to Jesus because He gives mercy to those who need it and grace to help in the time of need. When your life feels hopeless, look to Jesus because he is the faithful one. But that's not the only message here in Hebrews chapter 12. As we look at Hebrews, as it says to look to Jesus, we're given another reason. It's this. We look to Jesus, our faithful Savior, because he's also our perfect example in suffering. That we look to Jesus because he is our perfect example in suffering. Hebrews is this book that is written to this church in the middle of suffering. In the midst of a wave of hardship and affliction, there are some in the church that are turning their back on the faith, falling away. And Hebrews, among other things, is written to encourage the church to persevere. To endure in the midst of their hardship that they are facing. Notice Hebrews chapter 10, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now we'll look at, at chapter 11 here in a moment, but notice how Hebrews 12 builds right on that. Right off of this call to endure, don't, don't forsake your reward. And then we get to chapter 12, and it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In Hebrews chapter 10, the author says, I know life is hard. I know you are suffering. I know that it seems like God is not keeping his promises to you, but press on to the end. And then we get to Hebrews chapter 12, and says, you need to press on, press on, run the race, endure. And if you want to know how, look to Jesus, because Jesus also suffered, also was despised. In other words, when you suffer... And are tempted to despair, when you're even tempted to, to just turn your back on him and, and go a different way, just look to the example of Jesus. Notice there's this key connection here between this word reward in verse 35 of chapter 10 and the joy set before Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. In chapter 10, verse 35, it says this, as you face suffering, as you face pain, don't throw away your reward. Remember the inheritance that awaits you as you share in the victory of what Jesus has done. And then in 12, too, it says, Jesus, who for the joy set before him, for the reward set before him, endured the cross. See, even as Jesus endured suffering and death, and crucifixion, so that he could receive his inheritance. So also you endure looking to Jesus, your great example. Might we do the same? In the midst of affliction, in the midst of suffering, whether it's, it's persecution or a, a troubling prognosis of a, of a terminal illness, whether it is hatred that we experience from other people or just the hard, awful news of the loss of a loved one, rather than despair, might we look to Jesus and follow his example. To look to the joy that is set before us, not because of any merit or, or worth of our own, but because of the empty tomb where Jesus welcomes us to share in the inheritance that he is one that he might share with his siblings. When life feels hopeless, look to Jesus because he is our perfect example. The one who knew pain, suffering, sorrow, in spite of all that, he knew that there was joy coming. And not only was there joy coming, but that God was going to use the sufferings that he experienced in this life to produce even greater joy in the life to come. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. When life feels hopeless, the empty tomb of the conquering king reminds us to look to Jesus Our incredible, perfect example in suffering. There's one more reason to look to Jesus from this passage, and this is probably the one that's dearest to my heart right now. We look to Jesus because of the empty tomb, and we see the character of God, the trustworthiness of God on full display. We look to Jesus because he is our guarantee of God's promises. We look to Jesus because he is our guarantee of God's promises. Let me explain this text in the flow of the argument of Hebrews 11 and 12. 12, 1 and 2, of what, what, what we've already looked at, it's, it's intricately tied to chapter 11 of Hebrews. Hebrews 11 is all about faith of these Old Testament saints, but, but more than just that, it's about a specific part of their faith. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and we'll look at this verse here in a second, it describes faith. It doesn't give us a blanket d- definition of what faith is. It focuses instead on one specific aspect of faith. It says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So notice there's two things here. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. In other words, Hebrews 11 roots this idea of faith in confidence. We might say, well, confidence in what exactly? Well, you look at Hebrews chapter 11, you you follow the argument of chapter 11, and it gives us the answer. Faith is a confidence that God will keep his promises. That God has made promises... And he will keep them. And yet there's something else that Hebrews 11 is talking about. Because as you follow Hebrews 11, it's very, very clear. These promises have not yet been given to those who trusted in them. So it says this over and over. And we get this summary statement in, in verse 13. These all died in faith. Not Having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. It's made even more explicit at the end of, of chapter 11. We're given another summary statement in verse 39. All of these, though commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised. Hebrews 11 is filled with example after example of those who trusted that God was going to do what he had said he would do, that they trusted in the character of God, that God is a trustworthy God who does not lie, who does not deceive, who trusted in the evidence of their lives. God isn't going to abandon them, and yet we get to the end of chapter 11 And we see that every single one of these people died. And not one of them received the promise in full that God had made to humanity. And if you're following the emotional weight of the chapter we're forced to come to this reckoning by the end of Hebrews chapter 11 about the character of God. When we get to this point, there's this testimony we have to con- consider whether we're going to throw our lot in with all of these saints who died in faith, who did not receive what was promised, if we're going to have confidence in the character of God, the trustworthiness of God, the promises of God, or are we going to instead say, the testimony of my life declares that I cannot trust God. And if none of them were made perfect, verse 40 of chapter 11... And none of them received the promises of God. Chapter 11, verse 39. How on earth can we expect that we will be any different? How can we know that the faith of those who died is not in vain? How can we know that our faith is not in vain? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, And sin which clings so tightly, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In the context of Hebrews chapter 11, these verses take on more weight and more meaning, Jesus is our source of faith. Because he's the faithful one, he is uh, this person that we are supposed to emulate in our faith because he is perfectly obedient, he's faithful even in suffering and affliction and pain. But not only that, the testimony of Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 says that if we fix our eyes on Jesus, one of the reasons is because he has received the promise that even though Jesus went to the cross, He rose from the grave and now is ascended to the right hand of the Father. In Jesus, we see at long last the promises of God have been fulfilled. This is the the testimony of the empty tomb at Easter. No longer do we have all these died in faith. But now we have the faithful one receiving what has been promised and he receives it in full. You see how Easter is the guarantee of God's character? guarantee of God's promises after millennia of men and women dying in faith, not yet receiving the promise that God had given to them. Today, too, as loved ones die in faith, we may be tempted to despair. We may be tempted to hopelessness and say, is God worth trusting? Will he keep his promises? And yet at Easter, we are given the greatest assurance that we could ever fathom because the tomb is empty. Our faith is not. Trusting in the promises of God is not in vain. Our hope is eternally worthwhile. And when we feel overwhelmed with doubt and with wondering, we can look to Jesus because he is the guarantee that God keeps his promises. When life feels hopeless, we look to Jesus. Jesus and the empty tomb declare this message of hope, this guarantee that anyone, no matter how far from God you are, you are welcome to share in this inheritance of victory and of glory of the faithful son. Jesus and the empty tomb give us the strength to endure, to endure the pain of this life, the the suffering of this life for the sake of the joy that is set before us. Jesus and the empty tomb declare that God is worth trusting that he keeps his promises and that one day he is going to keep those promises in full for us just like he did with Jesus. One of the reasons why these verses have meant so much to me over the last month or so is because of the weight of this word perfecter in verse 2. This word in Greek carries so much weight that whatever word we use as as a translation isn't going to catch the full weight of what is being said here. Another way to translate this is something like this. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and finisher of our faith. I love that translation because in this passage that looks at life as a race, It describes Jesus as the finisher. The one who has crossed the finish line. We have not yet crossed the finish line, and yet Jesus has. We're reminded that Jesus is the first one to cross the finish line of faith. The first one to receive the prize. But not only that, because Jesus is the founder and finisher of our faith. He enables us to cross the finish line ourselves. We look to Jesus the one who, is ab- who enables us to endure the storms of life. We look to this Jesus who gives us access to his inheritance of glory because he is the perfectly obedient son. Because Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. We can finish the race of faith. We are welcomed into the presence of God. We can enjoy the promises of God forever. And yet for now, we wait. We wait in faith. We wait with longing. We do not grow discouraged, but rest in the hope of Easter. That Jesus Jesus is the founder and the finisher of our faith look to jesus and rest in the confidence of easter because at easter we see god keeps his promises let's pray god it is such an incredible gift that in your love in your mercy You give us assurance that you keep your promises. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he did in being the perfectly faithful one. Lord, as we walk by faith, help us to remember that life is not hopeless because of Jesus. that's in his name we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Jordan's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.